Hey everyone, Clay here. This past weekend, Sean and I were uh, part of a panel looking back on seven years of the White Knight universe at the Granite State Comic Con in Manchester, New Hampshire, and wouldn't you know it, we were lucky enough to find out that it was recorded, and so uh, we wanted to drop it here for you guys to check out as a mini special episode. Um, it's myself and Sean and, uh, Katana Collins and Blake Northcott all talking about, uh, everything Batman on Batman Day at the Granite State Comic Con. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Thank you to Granite State for having us and for having the panel. And, uh, we'll be back soon with Return of the Joker. Thanks. Enjoy. So my wife and I just drove down from Maine. We just parked like 10 minutes ago. Um, and uh, I thought we would have a moderator, but we don't. But that's okay, because Clay and I do a podcast, and we're pretty good at winging it. We do. It's called the Badass Podcast, the B-A-T-T-A-S-S podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> Keep and, going. Uh, <laughs> do your thing. I'm Clay McCormick. With me as always is Well, Sean I'm Clay McCormick. <laughs> With me as always is Sean Murphy. And today we have uh, Katana Collins and Blake Northcott. How are you guys doing? Great. We are here at the Granite State Comic Con in Manchester, New Hampshire, and we're going to be talking about all things Batman on Batman Day. We're going to be talking about the Murphyverse, because we've just put a bit of a cap on the Murphyverse for a while, I think, haven't we, Sean? Yes, we have. Well, we can talk a lot. I'm happy to spill the beans on where I'd like the series to be headed, if anyone's interested. Um, I don't think anybody's interested in that. No. Well, I find that these shows, a lot of people might not even know who we are. They're just, oh, you guys are creators who work on Batman, and that's, sure. that's enough, you know? I'm actually from the area. I graduated from Pinkerton. Um, I lived in Derry, and uh, I used to work at Stark's Brewery, Mill and Brewery. It's actually a painting I did of, uh, you know, how everyone likes to do God creates Adam, but they do it with beer glasses? Uh-huh. They commissioned one of those for me, uh, and when I left, they painted over it. So underneath three layers of paint is a Sean Murphy original. They painted over it? It wasn't that good. I'm not really a painter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 18 and just happy to get a gig doing art professionally, you know. I thought that would be the last time, so. Uh, so why don't you tell us who you guys are? Uh, I'm Katana Collins. Um, in this realm, I'm most known for writing uh, Batman White Knight Harley Quinn, as well as Generation Joker. I also did a run with Dynamite called Cherish. And um, this isn't technically announced yet, but first look right here. Um, my legendary Red Sonia story is coming out in December. So Excellent. it's steampunk Red Sonia. Excellent. Breaking news. Breaking news. Also, don't tell anyone. <laughs> and, and don't forget to tell them that you write erotic romance novels. Oh, well, novels yeah. On so the side. outside of this arena, I'm, I'm most known for writing erotic romance novels. I'm a USA Today bestseller of romance novels. That's amazing. Uh, I'm Blake Northcott. I've been writing for around 11 years, and I've done some Kickstarted novels that were Arena Mode and The North Valley Grimoire. Uh, I've also worked with Aspen Comics. I did um, a run of Fathom. I've worked with Dynamite, um, Heavy Metal Magazine. They're also um, putting out my book, Arena Mode, into bookstores right now. And I am currently working with Massive and whatnot. I am the EIC over there, and we have North Valley Grimoire out as a comic series. Yay. Yep, and uh, I'm putting Zorro out through Massive in a few months. Uh, so when Blake and I have known each other for 10 years, but we both happen to be working for the same company right now. She's an employee. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm a freelancer, so. And we did Catwoman two issues um, right. where I got to write that. I totally forgot about that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my name's uh, Clay McCormick. I, uh, I wrote White Knight Presents Red Hood with Sean, and I also wrote uh, Generation Joker with Katana, which is just about to wrap up in about a month, which has been very fun. And I, uh, I have a book called Bloody Hell, which is about Vikings in World War I, which is a lot of fun as well. Um, so, Sean... This is seven years. It's funny. This is technically, a, we're taking over. This is our podcast, isn't it? It is. All yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of the season finale of season two of Batman Beyond? No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get Blake's thoughts on the ending of episode four. Um, yeah, so Clay's actually been working with me on Batman White Knight since the beginning, since 2017. Uh, he and I, he was a sort of student of mine once. I had this thing called the apprenticeship. So I met him. Uh, and helped him and four others, you know, try to teach some skills and bring them with me to shows and try to help. That's going to be that's going to be ten years next year, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and um, yeah, they live with us for for two weeks. My wife is cooking every day for us, and we bought enough bunk beds for everybody. Um, poor Clay was in the attic on a uh, futon, and after two weeks of sleeping there, I know because he's a taller guy, uh, and he, I've well, noticed there's four dents in the Not feet. only that, but it was February in Maine, and everybody else, there was one person from Florida, one person from Savannah, two people from Savannah, and one person from Portugal. I was the only one who knew what winter was. Yeah. And so he's like, we don't have any heat in the attic. You're fine with that, right? I'm like, yeah, whatever. It was also a haunted attic, according to some of our friends. So it was attractive. Haunted (laughs) by a bearded weirdo that looked a lot like you, Clay. Um, But when I I remember uh, we started the podcast, I had... like episode one, I'm sure I'm like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about pitching a Batman story. And then episode 10, I'm like, yeah, I think I've got some stuff together. Episode 20, I'm like, yeah, I gave it to DC. They seem interested. So, um, but Clay was always with me, helping me edit, do sort of like creative editing. I would give him to look at the scripts and give me notes before I even gave it to DC. I pushed hard to give him um, some kind of credit in the book. Uh, and for legal reasons, they're just not able to do that. So I dedicated, I think, the first volume to you. Yes, thank uh, you. And, uh, I was too hot for DC. Yeah. <laughs> for the record, I don't think any book has been dedicated to me ever, and I've been married to the dude <laughs> for like ten years. So that's next level. Well, you, you, you got his, next level. You got his whole life, though. Yeah. My wiener is dedicated to you. <laughs> it better be. Is that you could print? <laughs> we got Man, kids in the Where do we go here. from here? <laughs> that took a turn. <laughs> Uh, so what, what's, it, what's it been like looking back on seven years of this? Uh, the podcast or Batman? Of Batman White Knight. Um, super proud. Um, some of the plans I had before COVID got derailed by COVID. I had two or three spinoff books planned. We had a uh, Night, Nightwing Batgirl book that I think you, you were going to write. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Hood was planned. Um, and then there's two others, but uh, COVID hit and the resources and, you know, everyone thought the world was going to explode. So um, you wrote um, Harley White Knight and there was a character in there called the producer who was going to create a bunch of new villains in my Gotham. Why, uh, why did you need new villains produced? Because <laughs> I killed them all. Yeah. Yes. It made writing the next book very difficult when there were no villains left. Correct. Thanks, every, John. Every, uh, every 
volume of Batman I just assume is going to be my last, so I just go for broke. I'm like, screw it, he kills all the villains. Like, who cares? No one's going to buy this anyway. And like, oh, well, sold. Can you do a third one? I'm like, shit, there's no more villains left, so what do I do? You want to make sure no one can follow you, even yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I probably should give a thank you to my wife, too, for helping me... Um, uh, write the Harley Quinn stuff. Like oh, when now I, I get the dedication. <laughs> I'm not dedicating it to you. <laughs> get my wiener. Um, yeah, uh, I remember when I was coming up with the idea of two Harleys and having one that was, I mean, they're both sort of victims or survivors. So stuff like that, like being, trying to talk about these subjects as a straight white dude in a way that's not offensive. So I would run things by her and be like, do you think Harley would do this? Can I have her do that? Is this okay? Is that offensive? And I think mostly I got it right. You would sort of course correct. Be like, don't say victims, say survivors. Or, Harley should do this. She's more empowered. If she does X, Y, Z, I'm like, oh, is that what it's like being a woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. K- so, Katana, what was, um, what was it like getting to write Harley for the first time? Were you jumping the chance to do it? Were you hesitant to jump into the White Knight universe? What did you think? Oh, it feels like so long ago. <laughs> I don't even remember. Um... I, I don't think I was hesitant, was I? I was pretty excited because like, I had known that character, this specific Harley Quinn, for so long because I'd been reading with him and kind of with you helping like mm-hmm. not edit. I was definitely not an editor, but I think that I, I felt like I, I knew her so well and being that she had just given birth, I felt like who, who better to tell this story than a woman who can't have children and will never give birth. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. Um, Even dark. No, that is something that I talk about very vocally. But I I did think that being a woman, it was that postpartum tale that I could tell probably better than Sean could, for instance. I'd like to get Blake talking here, too. Uh, Blake, for your uh, Catwoman series, you brought back a a fan-favorite villain. Is that right? Yes, we had some... I think most fun with Snowflame, right? Snowflame. Uh, crazy got- character. Like, we made him super, uh, you know, leaning into those Miami Vice kind of look. What was his superpower yeah. again? Oh, yeah. He just, like, powered up on cocaine, you know? Got crazy. <laughs> yes. Which we didn't think, like, this is going to be, like, how are they going to show this? Do you remember, like, right before it went to print? They yeah. were like, oh, we can't show him actually doing this. We have to pull these panels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, did DC Legal, yeah. like, really step in with that? They did at the at end. The, at, before it went to print, suddenly they had a problem with us using a character that does drugs, which I get. But Snowflame is their character right. from the seventies. <laughs> they create. So I thought, well, no one gives a shit about this character. Let's bring him back, and we'll just kill him off. Because that's what I do in my books to be, yeah. to be, to be clever. Uh, and they decided not to let us kill him. And then they didn't want us to show any kind of drugs. Like at one point, they were inside of a Lamborghini, and the glove compartment popped open. Yeah. There's supposed to be a bag of coke there. And, what happened with That's that? That's what they did. They kind of put a little baggie, and but you don't see anyone doing it. Right. Just, it's there. But it's just, it's a bag of sugar yeah. inside of an it's, 80s Lamborghini. It's just, it's just in the air on every panel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like every Michael Mann movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Blake, um, wh- uh, what, what did you like about writing Catwoman? Because it's actually, ironically, it's the only ca- major character who hasn't shown up in the Murphyverse is Catwoman. Uh-huh. So you are in rarefied air. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so much legacy goes into this character. It's it's daunting because, you know, 80 years of history there. Um, it's uh, She's such an interesting and unique character. I loved that she's kind of morally ambiguous in the sense of sometimes 
she leans into like her good side and then other times she's being um, a little bit more nefarious so you don't really know what she's gonna do she always kind of throws a monkey wrench into whatever she's planning or plotting so that was really fun to play with for sure mm-hmm. Sean did you get um, any different feedback doing working for a, a, a non white knight book <laughs> uh, no book? Um, I think because I'm me now it sounds arrogant. I apologize. <laughs> They're like, well, we want a two-issue gap series. It could be a little t- tiny story arc. It could go anywhere. Um, do you know anybody? And I said, well, you guys are looking to hire women and LGBT and you know more diversity and all that. So I, I introduced them to Blake, and I guess we came up with the idea together or something. Who chose um, Catwoman? It was the Catwoman editor. Like oh, we have a, yeah. a blank spot in our schedule for a Catwoman two-issue series. So why don't you just do something? So I don't think we were really on their radar. I don't think they really paid much attention. Um, the editor didn't even CC me on half the stuff. And, uh, but in that, there's freedom. So this is how we got to go so far into a drug story before they finally caught it, you know? <laughs> so it was uh, very hands-off, just like it is with White Knight, honestly. Like, um, I don't know if the DC is afraid to push back with me or what. Like, I actually don't mind getting some feedback and criticism. Like, I, I don't want freedom. Like, I wouldn't mind knowing what the rules are and... You know, just the way I was raised. When you do something creative, Blake, do you want help and push back, or do you want to be left the hell alone? Um, I understand it's different if you're writing somebody else's character. Yeah. So when I'm writing my own characters, I don't want feedback and push back unless it's going to help the story, obviously. But um, I think when you're writing somebody else's character, I'm always mindful yeah. that there's stuff there that they might want to have or not have. And because it was a, a fill-in story, there's those two issues. I knew that they had another writer coming in to take off where we left off. Right. So we were being careful not to like infringe on any of their storylines that they were going to be yeah. jumping into. Do you, how about you? Do you like to be left alone when you're working, or do you like feedback? Um, I kind of like both. I like the feedback when it, it's it's the correct time for it. Getting feedback when it's like the deadline is in an hour mm. it makes me insane. And yeah. believe yeah. it or not, that happens more than you would think. Yeah. When like you know, I'm sure that the like you said the the drug stuff kind of came out yeah. at the eleventh hour, and like that's the kind of stuff that that's makes so me that's so crazy, crazy to me because it's like it's the whole character, yeah. and they yeah. didn't nobody picked that up until yeah. Yeah, that's we should wild. write a book about all the weird notes you get from editorial sometimes. It's never-endingly fascinating. It's like reading Yelp reviews from weirdos. Like, what's the weirdest uh, note you got uh, on Jen Joker? I'll let Clay go first. I remember kind of understandable ones, but, but little uh, phrase notes. Like, uh, And they were always questions. So we, we had one line where we... we name drop Disney, Disneyland. Oh, yeah. And we didn't get a note that said, please change this. We got a note that said, we're not sure if we can do this. And I was like, all right, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the weirdest note you got? I, yeah, again, they're kind of little ones. So it's, it's there's nothing like the drug yeah. <laughs> issue you had. But there, there was a note that, um, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this without spoilers. Um, <laughs> Why did you kill Har- Batman? <laughs> Harley and Riot are in a bind, and um, their life is at risk. And um, one of the notes said in a bubble beside them, 
but what should their facial expressions be here? Mm. And we were like, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're probably like scared. They're being crushed by a robot <laughs> hand. That's not so bad. I don't think that's a big... Uh, no, no. I, they, at yeah. this point, I think... No, uh, ah! next, next week we'll find out about yeah. the, the robot. Whatever. But, I, but you can say crushed by a robot hand and not give anything away. That's yeah, true. Okay. That's true. Okay. That's not that specific when it comes yeah. to Batman. But yeah, it's like, are they supposed to look introspective yeah. while right. they're getting crushed by a robot? Not, yeah. Probably not, right? The weirdest note I got was on um, uh, about a year ago, I was wrapping up with Beyond the White Knight. I always do a shot of all the Batmobiles. And in my first um, White Knight book, I used the Batman 89, the Keaton Batmobile, pretty, you know, I always work it in. Um, to the oh, point where right. yeah. it's been in ads, it's, people talk about it, I've signed um, models of I mean, like, uh, so... You even, you even wrote a joke. Yeah. Like, did it make it to the final where yeah. he uses the Batmobile and the Joker's like, ah, this one again? So, yeah, exactly. I'm making fun of myself. Yeah. Uh, and I even have Joker say, why do you, all, you always find a way to work this one in, don't you? And uh, you were the one that pushed me. When Batman gets into it, he's like, let's get nuts. That was your idea. And that was way before they brought it back for the new Flash movie. Yes, thank you for laughing. <laughs> so my, my note from my editor was, ooh, I don't know if you can use the 89 Batmobile in this panel here. Yeah. I'm like, what? I've been doing it since 2017. She's like, really? Like, how are you my... Like, did you not read the book? Like, I know you're not a car person. Fine. But like, I, she's like, oh, well, that movie was before my time. I'm like, well, I know what the uh, Adam West Batmobile looks like. You just think someone editing oh, Batman... Oh, man, way to... Make you feel old. Too. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're here to shame her, not me. <laughs> yeah. This is some weird. I remember they didn't want Harley to be pregnant in the second volume. That was. That's a yeah. Uh, yes, they wanted her to. She's had. She has already, already had the kids. Yeah, because yeah. in, in in Curse of the White Knight, there's a big sequence where Harley actually gives birth, and they were kind of not great yeah. about that we don't want to see harley pregnant no one's going to want to see that let's have it so that she has she's already had these kids between the volumes right and i thought and my editor is this is a different editor at the time she has hasn't had kids but i'm shocked to get that note it's very not woke obviously i think that there's a lot of story to dive into um it's kind of body shamey like no one wants to see a pregnant like what this is dc comics like this is a very liberal she has company had a kid now by the way she what? She had a kid. Oh, yeah. That editor now has a now child of her yeah. own. Now she understands. I never saw her pregnant. I wonder if that note would be uh, different now. And she wrote you a letter apologizing now yeah, that she has nice. a kid, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and about, also, it was just a great sequence because Harley was giving birth while Jim Gordon was getting murdered. It was awesome. It was <laughs> yeah, life, <laughs> death. Yeah. Uh, do you want to throw out some questions? Oh, yeah. Who's um, got a question? Anybody? Matt Murdock, right there. Which character? Sorry. How did you find your voice for writing Bruce? Yeah, so I was gonna. Yeah. Sorry. I was gonna repeat the question just so everyone could. Sorry, hear, I still didn't hear the voice for who. How did you find your voice for writing Bruce? Bruce, got yeah. it. Um, yeah, in Batman the Animated Series, um, which was my favorite. That's kind of like my Bible, my backbone. It's this is like an extension of that universe in a way. Um, there's an episode in season four where um, Scarecrow takes away Batman's fear. And he's super cocky and angry and reckless. 
um, maybe not cocky, but he's like dialed up to 11. And even Robin is so unnerved by this that he eventually uh, ties Batman up and moves on in the adventure without him because Bruce is too reckless. So I basically took that version of Bruce and made it, you know, he's in his 50s, maybe early 60s, doing it a long time. No, sorry, that would be like early 50s for volume one. Um, he's very short and curt, like he likes to do things alone, yet he kind of surrounds himself with, with family. Like there's this sort of uh, hypocrisy here. And um, I just thought it'd be really interesting to see him unhinged. And if he was really that reckless, it seemed to me that the Joker had plenty of opportunity to defeat Batman, but by following the laws. Like imagine if you lived in Gotham and you're going to work and the bridge is destroyed again because Batman or something, you'd be like, shit, I gotta go, oh my God, it's three hours late. How, how cool would it be a citizen of Gotham every time another building explodes or the bridge is ripped out as a flood or whatever? Like eventually you'd be pretty tired of it. Like I wanna support Batman, but this is ridiculous because I'm gonna be late for work. <laughs> I imagine it'd be really easy to flip the city, uh, especially when you think about how much it costs to like rebuild this stuff, like taxpayers and all that. But that's not necessarily, I know that that's, no one wants to point that stuff out in comics because it kind of ruins the fun. But I was convinced that there was a way to talk about that stuff and, and, um, uh, and not shame Batman, but um, have him accept it and overcome it in some way, you know? Like have Joker play around with it, you know, let us marinate in these thoughts, um, and then basically return Gotham to the way it was. Which is, anytime you do a big story like this, you really can't change much um, at the end. It kind of has to come full circle, you know? So that was the idea. Um, Katana yeah. and Blake, did you guys have any one thing that helped you key into writing Harley or Selena? One thing? I don't know. Um, she was just, Aside from the cocaine? Yeah, the cocaine was fun. Um, I actually, I had fun creating a new character, too. We got, mm. um, they gave us a little creative license. So Tambor Quartz is my take on kind oh, of Oh, like, excellent. A social media influencer gone mad mm -hmm. and that was really fun um, as kind of like the counterpart to to Selena right so you can see they have this like back and forth kind of relationship which I thought was interesting to write um, but yeah not one thing but that was just fun yeah um, I guess for me it's also the animated series because Sean is the one who introduced that show to me. Shocker, I know. <laughs> when we were very young and in college and eating cereal before class. This, um, is, this is how you get girls. Show them your favorite <laughs> cartoon. And uh, what and Dedicate your wiener to them forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the episode was Mad Love, I think, yeah. that you first showed me. It was the first episode I ever saw. And... Um, <laughs> Even though that's not necessarily a, your version of Harley and White Knight, that still is sort of the um, the the guideway, right? Like that's like the highway to follow. And and even when she's our Harley, your Harley, finding that like Mr. J kind of voice, always having that in the back of your mind when you're writing her dialogue, that was probably the one thing I keyed into as I wrote her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To answer my own question, please. Please <clears throat> do yes. play. Uh, when, you know, I had been working with, with Sean, helping develop the first two volumes, which ran through the gamut of all the Batman characters that I was pretty well versed with. And then when uh, I got the chance to write one, it was for Jason Todd, who was one of the characters I didn't have that much knowledge of compared to the other ones. And so we were kind of talking about things, and I, and I was having a tough time clicking into what the story was going to be. And then something just clicked, and I went, oh, 
he's Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai. And yeah. Chum's like, yes. I'm like, okay, yeah. I got it. No problem. No problem at all. Yeah. That's great. We even worked uh, the mullet in from Nightwing. <laughs> yes. Which I thought was great. Yes. Um, it's funny. Mullets are kind of coming back, aren't they? Sure. <laughs> there's, uh, maybe. There's a way to draw. I've seen a couple artists rock, draw really well, good mullets. So on. the thing is, I, I wrote into the script, Nightwing <clears throat> with the mullet, and I very specifically gave... Uh, visual reference of the WWF wrestler Shawn Michaels from like 1992 when he has the the buzzed hair and like a mullet down to like the middle of his back (laughs) and the first drawing we got back it was just like a little flip in the back and I was like no 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 No, like this and the next round it was a little bit longer and I was like no 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 and we don't give a lot of notes we generally respect the artist but like we needed this this was the one the one I almost walked off the project (laughs) because this mullet was not big enough but but we compromised and it's it's fine yeah Uh, any any other questions Uh, in the back Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. The question is, Zorro. are you allowed to talk about your upcoming Zorro? Yes, I am. Next question. No, no please. Um, well, we get, before we get on to that, um, I teased that I would tell where the universe is going. Is uh, I'm doing Zorro right now, and I have a few other books uh, under my belt. Clay and I are going to do a book uh, next year together. Um, when I come back to DC, I want to do World's Finest, so Batman Superman team up. But in my universe, Bruce is like 65, and Clark is 20. And, um, you know, Bruce, Bruce reacts like he would. He's scared of what this represents, and he spends the first half of the book studying Clark and working with the FBI. And the FBI agents are all Justice League members, but none of them have powers. They're just like... The, Wally, Wally West is who you use? Yep, yeah. Wally West. Yeah, Wally's Flash. like really fast at typing, and, you know, they all are he in ta- character. He talks a lot. He's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're led by uh, Diana Prince, who's sort of an ex-military badass, whatever. Anyway, so Bruce figures out how to defeat Clark, and he tricks him into the forces to solitude and sucks his powers away. Uh, but when he does this, he realizes he accidentally set off a beacon, uh, and a stargate opens up in the Fortress of Solitude. And Bruce realizes that there's an, some kind of army headed towards Earth, uh, and they're all, they are all like Clark, they're all superpowered. And Bruce, Bruce just neutralized the only ally that might have been able to help him stop this. So the second half of the book, he and Clark are forced to work together. Um, and they basically have to go through the Stargate, like 2001 style, or start, you know, and have an adventure to figure out how to get his powers back. So I want it to be more of like a hard sci-fi, not like a Blade Runner sci-fi, but more like 2001. And uh, anyway, when they do this, the computer system, which is Kryptonian, blasts the FBI team, and it um, gives them all powers like that. So like, I don't know, like the six gods of Krypton. So suddenly Wonder Woman has the powers of Wonder Woman, Wally Wood, and blah, 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 blah. So it's kind of a way to create the Justice League and the White Knight universe very quickly. Um, Yeah, and get a JLA White Knight going eventually. But, you know, after this uh, next book, I don't know how tired I'll be. Maybe that'll be the end of it. Or maybe DC will want to run with it uh, without me and just keep expanding. We're not really sure. We're just going to kind of see how it goes. But that's the plan for now. And I, and I think what's unique about that, too, is that generally um, you don't see Batman. You don't see the, the DC universe build from Batman out. It's usually Batman and then someone at the end is like, oh, they're also Wonder Woman is here somewhere else. Yeah. And but... Sean's found a way to open the universe up and have it all stem from 
what he's been doing, which I think is, is, is pretty cool. It's mostly from ignorance from, and laziness <laughs> on my part. I, Honestly, honestly the, my favorite parts of the book have been born from ignorance. <laughs> like the, the, the biggest one, which we've talked about many times, is in the first volume, we, when we got into Jason Todd, I was reading the scripts, and there was a line or something about um, uh, Dick Grayson being the second Robin, and J- uh, Jason being the first one. And I wrote back to him, I was like, oh, that's, that's an interesting take, and he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were looking, so Dick is in a graveyard, and he sees Jason Todd's t- gravestone. And he's like, oh yeah, he was Robin before me. And like an idiot. I just, I know there's an order to the Robins, but I also just thought of them as a collective. And I totally had a brain fart and didn't realize that by putting this tombstone in there and having that line, I thought it was just like an Easter egg. Oh yeah, Jason Todd died. Let's do a little nod to that. And I didn't focus on the fact that this changes the order of the Robins. So when you pointed it out, you're like, well, this is an easy fix. Let's change the line. And I was like, Eh, let's just let it fly. See what happens. Yeah, honestly, it's never going to come back. <laughs> well, the weird thing is, it kind of grew into this weird linchpin for the whole series <laughs> because so much of it revolves around um, the night that Joker beat Jason close to death. Yeah, and how that affected the Joker, how that affected Harley, how that affected Bruce, how that ultimately affected Jason and. Dick, and it just kind yeah. of turned into this weird hub yeah. that the whole thing kind of grew out of. So, yeah, you know, yeah Jason's the angry accidents. one because Bruce took him in. He wasn't much older than Jason. He was maybe ten years older in my continuity, and he screwed up. You know, he wasn't good at being Batman or being a father, an older brother figure. And Jason supposedly got killed. So Bruce decides to get another Robin after yeah. the first one died. Went, which went makes, back to the pound. Makes it a lot darker uh, of a story. And then we have a scene where Jason, who survived goes back home and Bruce has replaced him with Dick um, and uh, yeah it just made for some really unusual really punchy scenes that I'm, I'm glad that we did it but yeah. it was just born out of ignorance honestly I, don't, I didn't think the first volume would really sell I never thought I'd get a chance to do more so I've been sort of making up for that mistake since 2017 <laughs> hey if it works it's not a mistake yeah. right uh, anybody else a question well, Oh, I was going to say, you never actually talked about Zorro. You never oh, that's answered right. the question. Oh, sorry. So. Uh, yeah, at the end, we'll plug our next projects. But I, I'm doing a, I got the rights to do Zorro. Uh, we're launching a Kickstarter in October. It's a Day of the Dead-themed Zorro where um, it takes place modern modern times. Like, this is village that's filled with drug dealers like that show Narcos. Um, and there's this kid in there who is, has a psychotic break, and he's convinced that he's Zorro. Uh, and he's sort of like Don Quixote in that way. And he starts going after drug dealers and killing them dressed as Zorro with a sword. What starts out as a joke turns into a giant problem for the cartel because this kid is really good at it. Uh, and eventually the <laughs> villagers all get behind him and it's this like spiritual upheaval as people just like, they, over, they, they build like a small army to fight these narcos and village helps save this village in uh, Mexico called La Vega. And, Diego de la Vega is Zorro's real name. So I thought, well, what if this was the historical home of Zorro? Like, is Zorro real? Was he from here? Is he not? Um, so that's the idea. It's just going to be four issues. Um, the Kickstarter will have, like, big 11 by 17 fancy, expensive editions, cheaper ones, um, uh, posters and all that. Uh, if you come by the table after we do a signing, I've got flyers, a little mini posters for free you can just take. Um, yeah, and then it'll come out through your local comic book shop shortly after. But if you'd like to get in on the ground floor and have options about variant covers, like we have Adam Hughes doing a Lady Rawhide variant cover. Um, 
yeah, a lot of other big names. Uh, yeah, it might be something you're into. Or you can just wait and go to Double Midnight or whatever and grab it there. What, uh, what made you choose Zorro? I've always loved swashbuckle-type stuff. Um, I, have a, I want to do Robin Hood one day, too. Um, obviously, in White Knight Volume 2, we had a lot mm-hmm. of sword fighting and stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just, for some reason, <laughs> it speaks to me. I just have to add, every Halloween, Sean <laughs> has one costume. He wears it year after year. Two. Zorro and the Dreadpire Roberts. Okay, they're That's, the same costume. Yeah. One, one has a hat and the other one doesn't, I think. Correct. Right? Yeah. It depends on if I remember Correct. to bring the hat. So that should tell you why he's doing Zorro. Mm-hmm. He's loved this property for as long as I've known him. I, I almost so I take photographs of myself jumping around in my basement like a maniac. Uh, and I debate, like, should I post these? Is this super nerdy? And uh, I keep hitting, almost hitting posts. And I'm like, oh, I don't know do if it. I need to do this. And yeah, the story... Do the story is about a, a young, insane man who thinks he's Zora. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, man. Um, anyway, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Had to add that little fact. We had a, a question out a couple there. Other questions? Yes. Uh, as a big fan of Batman the Animated Series, DC seems to love doing direct adaptations. Uh, Batman the Yeah, I would love it. They haven't talked to me, um, but I think at some point they will because they just they eventually get around to anything. Um, my worry with it would be <laughs> they're going to just run it through the mill. Like D- DC would, I don't know who they're using to animate, but they just use this animation studio that's very samey and kind of, you know, I wish it all looked like the animated series, but the quality levels so, sort of off and on sometimes. So I would love it if they did it, but I don't know if they would treat it that I think they would just make it one of the three that they're going to do that year and move on. You know, uh, it would be nice if they told me about it and came to me and asked if I wanted to get involved. Um, but they don't always necessarily do that, and that's just sort of how it goes. You know, like I'm not the type of creator that gets banana shape about that. I know the contract I signed. I'd love to be involved. If I was them, I would call me. But it's <laughs> Batman's theirs. It's their baby. They paid me for it. You know, it is what it is. But I think if studios are smart, they would bring in the creators because. I think the audiences are very sharp and want to know that the company did the best they could to bring in the people that worked on it for authenticity. Like if there's a big movie coming out and you love the comic, it would really annoy you if the original creators could have been included and weren't, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that gives companies street cred and then they're, they're very wise to that, or at least they should be. Not to, not to gripe about animated Batman, but as the host of an animated Batman podcast, I feel like I should. Um, <laughs> When uh, they like to kind of speak to what you're saying a bit, when they did the long Halloween, I yeah. got really excited because like, oh, I mean, Tim Sale's artwork is yeah. so unique and would be really cool to see animated. Yeah. And then they just did the same thing they always do, and yeah. I was like, oh. Even when they do Hellboy, uh, and Mike's a kind of a buddy of mine, um, they never admit a cartoon that looks like his drawing, right. which would look weird. Like his art is unusual. But I love that it's very animatable. What's the problem? Why do they have to make it look like anime? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's insane to me. But that's just how they think. You know, and it's their money they're spending. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? I mean, getting the animated series style was an uphill battle back in the early right. '90s. The the Bruce with the bright angle chin and you know these stylized jackets and Gordon's like do whip haircut. <laughs> um, that never, no one had ever seen anything like that. Like it looked wrong, and they had to fight to convince the studio, let's go with this boxy, streamlined style. I think it adds to it. And like now we just take it for granted. Now, you know, characters and animated have squared off fingers. 
sharp angles all the time. It's not a big deal. But in 1990, everyone was used to seeing Disney and yeah. He-Man and Harry and Barbera, where everything was generally smooth. Could you imagine being an, uh, an executive at Fox or wherever in the early 90s, just trying to get a cartoon made? Yeah. And then they come in and they're like, all right, we're going to draw everything on black paper. <laughs> and they go, what? Yeah. yeah, they would airbrush the black paper backgrounds for Batman, so it would have this inherent darkness to it. And when that studio started doing Superman, you could see them struggle because yeah. they're used to using black starting from there. And now it's like, oh, my God, everything is so well lit. How do we do this? You know? And then they ruined everything. because they Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another question? Have anyone's got one? The question is, Damian, yeah. All right, bringing in Damien Scott or any of the Robins. Uh, no, I was open to um, doing more spinoffs if writers came and pitched me um, stuff like that. Like, I don't know a whole lot about Damon, I'm sorry to say. Um, I tried to get every character included in the last book, and the one criticism I got was there's just too many characters in this book. And people were like nice and said, oh, we like how you balance them, but it's just a lot. And I'm like, I don't like writing a ton of characters. I just mm. included them because I thought I'd have to, and people would be annoyed, like, how come you didn't include blah, 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 you know? There's always that guy out there. Well, there was... Uh... <laughs> As, as I'm reading the scripts for the, the, the uh, Beyond the White Knight, I think it's like the last issue or something. I'm reading through and... Uh, no, I, I think it was just the, the actual drawing. You did this, this montage page and I was like, oh, who's that tiny Robin you drew in there? <laughs> yeah. Because Dick is there, Barbara's there, and there's a tiny Robin who's there. It's like, oh, that's Tim. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tim was in there. You did, you've done... 24 issues of this, his name has never come up, and then you're just going to drop... I, I, this, people are going to go nuts. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? I, uh, I'm not equipped to have the position I have in comics. So very clear about that. I just wanted to draw cool things, and somehow I That's fly totally my way fair. into Batman. Uh, I think we have someone over. Sure, we have uh, eight minutes left. We'll go try to qu go quickly. We'll do white shirt first. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but do you guys find that you're really influenced by classic Yeah, you guys probably are more. You're more of a reader than I am. Um, like, I'm not a trained writer like the two in the middle are. Um, like, I'm going off of what I know what I can draw and what I... Like, I feel like I'm writing wrestling matches. Just set it up, have a cool payoff. It's not meant to be Shakespeare. But the amount that you read and with you as well you guys are more trained in writing i think so do you let classic literature influence you um i definitely do i i so actually the red sonia project coming out which is steampunk which uh, historically steampunk loves to throw in classic lit references or references from that time period um well time you know what i mean like victorian and stuff so like jack the ripper is usually making like cameos and steampunk. He's always showing up. Yeah, that, that <laughs> ripper man. Um, but so in my steampunk Red Sonia coming out, I chose the picture of Dorian Gray as my influence, which is one of my favorite stories from high school days. But so what about cool. you? I love hearing that. Like I, I relate to that as well. Um, yeah, because when I was in university, I have an English lit degree. So, you know, when you're studying all the Shakespearean elements and things like that, I feel like my story structure is very influenced 
by you know all the classics that I read so I'm very detail oriented and I will work off like not all writers do this but I work off of an outline I'm very strict about that because I like to be able to see where the story arc is and put in those elements and it's actually interesting because last year I got to teach a course at the Joe Kuber school oh wow in writing and it was so difficult I mean if anyone's a teacher (laughs) you guys are like amazing (laughs) because you do things and I didn't realize how much effort it is to like sit there and realize why am I doing this and how do you teach this to someone else, right? So that was very eye-opening for me as a writer. I feel like I learned a lot from the students um, about writing and about why I do certain things uh, from that class. Nice. So that's a great opportunity too. If anyone can take a, a course or something or <laughs> learn from, I used uh, you know getting to talk to them and. It's such a great learning opportunity if you can get in. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Clay? Uh, not I'm not classic literature so much. I'm I'm always been more of a movie guy, and so I my uh, my writing process is a mixture of uh, uh, movie plots and comic books, and I'm a hack, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it you know it's I I, I what's that? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Um, I, what I do is I, I, I pay attention to, uh, structure as much as I can. And I like to analyze, uh, plots and, and why things work and why things don't and how the certain emotional beats weave their way through these stories in, in, in a way that makes sense so that it, I, I find it allows me to break things down easier and then I can kind of synthesize that into like, okay, I know what this needs. We can go here, we can go here, we can go here, and kind of like build the roller coaster in my head as I'm, as I'm going. Yeah. yeah, I find that when I came to comics, I studied, uh, just read books on screen, screenplays, like Sid Field's Story, uh, story mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Good Script, Bad Script, Good Pad. Three-act structure, so you know you break down movies like here's why Star Wars works. Twenty-two minutes in, there's a turn. You know, Luke has to call the action, whatever. Like there's math to it, and I think it's really interesting to see the the formula. And some would argue that there's only ten different types of scripts in movies. Like The Matrix is basically Monsters Inc. Uh, you know, you can wax poet poetic all you want, but I really enjoyed that process because it was like a format of how to tell a story generally quickly. And I feel like comics have a lot in common with movies where you need to hold people's attention you need to have some cliffhanger at the end of each book the dialogue has to be trimmed down you know whereas in movies time is money uh in comics page space is money so you know the more they talk the less you're going to see a batman's shoulder if the word balloons right there so it really forces you to like cut cut and cut again and i love uh getting as much impact as i can out of as few words as possible but when you're writing prose, you can sort of have like, oh, we'll talk about this for a few chapters and it's, this, the plot can be more relaxed and grow naturally. Whereas when you're comics, you're, I'm, at least I'm very like aimed at a target and um, everything I write moves the script forward. There really isn't any meandering, which maybe is a criticism of my stuff is it feels like it's moving too fast and it never lets up. But, you know. We got uh, time, one more question. time for one more. This gentleman in the back. That suit. Clay wants the nipples. No, I want I want this bat symbol specifically. The the one from the '89 Batman is. Tell them is, why that's that's special. Point out the different number of the feet. Like, isn't that not actually used? About. 
What's that? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this little extra flare under the middle thing here. It's two extra points on that. Yeah, they That's only the use it in the first movie and then it disappears. And it's, it's the only place it's ever been used. And for some reason, graphically, I just find it more appealing. And also because, you know, I'm a nerd. But um, I don't like to be different. But for all the advertising of the 89 and all the toys. Yeah, it's, it... not, it's not in any of the promotional stuff. All the official yeah. logos are the normal classic one. But the one in the movie just is different for some reason. Right. A deep cut. Yeah. Do you ever, everyone, anyone ever go like, nice, man, I know what that shirt really means? I, oh, I just got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Clay's big into shirts that are nerding on the down low, where if you look quickly, you can't tell what, he's, what it is, but then you'll find it's a sci-fi reference from the 60s and only three people know about it. And if you give him the nod, he'll be like, yeah, you know that movie I'm talking about. It's the only way I can wear a Videodrome t-shirt to like a family dinner. <laughs> Sean, what tool from the bat suit would you want? Oh, a tool. Or like uh, gadget or whatever. Um, I can just take the Batmobile as a whole, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Blake, what about you? What about you? Um, I don't know. Like, they're all so different and unique. Um, I love that you got to do the cover when we were even doing, like, Catwoman, when you did the cover with her from the, the comic. Yeah. And then they kind of pushed back, but you did, like, the um, animated suit on her, remember? And we weren't sure they were going to let us do that. So I thought that was cool to like cross yeah. over. They, oh, this is a fun story to end on. They made me change the boob on oh, her. Oh, yeah. The pointy <laughs> nipple, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm not like a pinup TNA type artist. <laughs> I like that art. Adam Hughes and friends like it sells. Men like it. Women like it. It is what it is. Um, and there's a way to do it that's not creepy. And I, when I draw TNA stuff, I try to still make her look empowered and all that because I don't want to get canceled again. Um, <laughs> So I drew an anatomically correct boob, which has, you know, the boob part, and then the, the, the what? The what part? Such a weird what part does it way have? to end this. Uh, the bump, like the nipple bump. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> and you know, it, it fits Blake's brand too. I mean, you, you both write a lot of sexy stuff, so you know, I've got. I felt I was pretty in the clear to do this because I never. I'm not this cover guy. I never draw this type of stuff. So Good certainly safe. once. Good safe. And uh, the editor, she happened to not think that that was appropriate and made me redraw it. And I'm like, do you have a problem with the female anatomy? I mean, I thought I was covered. I'm on a female-empowered book. I've got Blake as my writer. I thought they would let it go, but she was like, nope, has to be smooth. Well, we got a lot of pushback. On, yeah. Like, I tried to include some um, lyrics from a song in the scene when they're driving the Lamborghini oh, I don't down. Think, yeah. And I got pushed back on that and they were like, you're not allowed to include lyrics, but I looked it up and you are allowed if it's like under a certain number of verses. Got it's it. like two lines Are you something. really? But yeah. They still made us take it out. They yeah. said no. So there, there was, hmm. you yeah. know, a lot of pushback. What song that. did you use? Is it like some 80s song, I'm guessing? It was some 80, yeah, it was yeah. something to go along with like Miami Vice theme. Yeah, that. Right? Was it, it was, Cocaine? Is was it Cocaine by Eric oh. Clapton? <laughs> <laughs> no. That, that, that would have been good, but... <laughs> All right, I think we have to wrap it up. But uh, thank you guys for coming out. Thank you for listening to us blab about Batman. And uh, we'll all be in the armory signing books and stuff, so hope to see yeah, you guys over there. We've got prints. We've got um, uh, books for sale. I've got some uh, Clay's covers out from Batman White Knight. You've got some stuff. We have pins. Um, Flasks, sure. mugs. Oh yeah, of... we do have like a very limited. My wife's big on doing. Yeah, it's like a pier one over there. <laughs> so normally it's my table is very to boring right now. Just come check out the table. Yeah. There's <laughs> some fun <laughs> shit there. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs>